Good morning, everybody. Well, as, as David said, um, I've had a long time in the Lord. I accepted the Lord when I was only six years old. I accepted in a uh, backdoor good news club. Backdoor, backyard good news. I was at the backdoor too, but uh, a lady in the neighborhood after school would have snacks and so forth, and then she would tell a Bible story, and then she would show a wordless book, uh, which was just colors. And she'd just tell the gospel story through this wordless book, and then she'd say, does anybody want to receive Jesus? And my heart was ready, and I said, yes. And I repented of all the evil that I've done my entire life, the drinking, the carousing, the women. At the age of six. People used to give their testimonies and they go on. I was just a miserable person. I did this, I did this. I, I was six years old. I hadn't done a whole lot yet. <laughs> did have two sisters though, so that made a difference. So I came to, to faith in Jesus when I was six years old. I had a very childlike understanding of the Bible. Basically knew the stories of Daniel in the lion's den, David and Goliath. The three children uh, in the fiery furnace. The list goes on and on. Uh, so I knew Bible stories. And then as I was going through Sunday school, you began to learn, and they emphasized uh, scripture memorization when I got to sixth, seventh, eighth grade, those grades in there. So I started uh, doing that. In other, I don't know that my modes were totally pure. They had a, somebody in the church made swords because uh, the Bible says the word is God is sharper than a two-edged sword. So they made these swords and they put ribbons on them and they have little construction paper uh, cutouts and they'd put whatever you were memorizing, like Psalm 1, make it all familiar unto the Lord all ye lands. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. All these different ones they would put on there. Uh, and so they would staple those on there. <clears throat> well, the girls were killing the guys because they somehow had these memories that worked. And most of the guys were not into that. So I had to represent our guys. So I memorized, memorized, so I had the longest one. In fact, I had two, then three, then four. So I memorized a ton of scripture when I was in junior high. However, I didn't know really what it all meant theologically. I knew the scriptures. I knew what they were. I could quote them to you. But I didn't know much about theology at all. Nor as a kid did you seem to need to know much about theology, you just know God loved you and, and uh, those things. And uh, I had some below average teachers early on in elementary school, and so I didn't learn to read. I also was a little dyslexic, and so it was difficult for me to read even more. So 
By the time we get to, got to sixth grade, I was in pretty bad shape, and my parents had to hire a tutor to teach me to read, uh, which they did. And after I drove him crazy, when, and, uh, <laughs> no, he taught me to read, and, uh, which is very important. And <clears throat> God gave me a good memory. So that, those two things were helpful. Uh, a little story on David. When he was about three years old, we had these books. Uh, I think they were Disney books. And they had a record. You played this record, and it would read the book to you so you could go through it. And then when it got to the time to turn the pages, you go, bing, turn the page. So we, David was reading the book to us, and we thought, man, this is great. You know, and he's reading along, and Jill jumped over the mountain, and then, bing, turned the page. <laughs> then we knew that he wasn't actually reading, because that wasn't in the book. But and reading was important, especially in the study of the Scripture. But what studying the Scripture at that point, memorizing the Scripture I knew, and uh, if you asked me about a particular story or whatever, I could, I could tell that to you very well. But it wasn't until God decided to send into my life some mentors. We call them in the old days disciplers, people who disciple each other. And uh, one of the men that God sent in in my life was a captain of a fire department uh, in San Pedro. He had the Fireboat, which was really nice duty. But as a captain, all the guys do the work and you just kind of supervise. And this was a guy who uh, was, had a really bad back, background, but he got saved and it really took on him 100%. And he started studying the Bible. We had a place called Church of the Open Door down in Southern California. A guy named Jay Vernon McGee. In fact, you can still hear Jay Vernon McGee on the radio today. Some people think he's alive, but he died a long time ago. But Jay Vernon McGee talks like this. He said, I got a letter here from a lady. She wants to know if it's okay to wear makeup. And I told her, I think any old barn can use a good coat of paint. <laughs> really what he said, I'm not kidding you. Uh, anyway, usually there are Bible questions, but that wasn't a Bible question. And he started going studying under J. Vernon McGee uh, on the Bible bus. Go through the whole Bible. And, uh, he, and he was meticulous, and he was understanding, and he learned that the Bible is interconnected. That when you have a principle here, you'll find it all the way through Scripture. And so to better understand a particular doctrine or study, you would see it in the place it was in, but then you would find all the other places in the Bible where it talked about the same thing. And by putting all of it together, you came up with a more deeper understanding of the teaching. Because 
God says, his ways are not our ways. And our thoughts are not his thoughts. So we have to be reprogrammed, in a sense. And especially Americans, because we have a Western civilization that has taught certain things, like the self-made person is to be admired. They used to call this, pull them up by their own bootstraps. Never could understand that one, but that's what they'd say. And that's the opposite of what God economy is all about. And we look for the big spectacular stuff, and God moves in the small. We look for the Schwarzenegger type to lead the army, and God picks Don Knotts, known as Gideon. <laughs> There's different ways that God works. It's totally different from our mindset, different from what we think. And so this, uh, this guy decided to, to disciple me. And I was uh, in high school, 1966 and 67 time period. Why'd you laugh? Because you weren't... <laughs> I know, she wasn't here yet. Anyway, back in <laughs> I was learning. He, and he would say to me things like, how many of each animal did Noah take on the ark? Well, I knew that one. I learned it in Sunday school. The animals came on two by two. You know, it actually says in the scripture, the animals came on two by two, male and female. And he goes, no. I said, I know. I said, have you ever been to a bookstore? A Christian bookstore. They have a, a little boat there, and they got the animals coming in two by two. And I, and I pulled out Genesis. I says, right here it says, the animals came two by two. He says, keep reading. I said, what? And then it says, and then the clean animals took by pairs of seven, or 14 of every clean animal didn't know that because I hadn't read on. <laughs> and if I had, I hadn't paid attention to it because we know the animals are coming two by two, the elephant and the kangaroo. <laughs> so there are things that we thought that I knew because I grew up in the church. But it's important that you know the whole story. It's important that you gather all the facts about how things work. It's what we call systematic theology. It's, there's, there's a whole bunch of it. So he taught me about a Bible that had cross-references. Cross-references you're reading here, and it'll give you all the other places where that, that subject's talked about. So... I started studying it. I couldn't get enough. And I studied and I studied and I studied and I studied. And my Bible started looking like this because I had underlined all the important things. I started with just a few lines. And next thing you know, almost everything's underlined. Because more and more came alive and came important to me. And of course, we wrote in our Bible, and boy, back in those days, that wasn't necessarily a good thing if you wrote in your Bible. I didn't write very good, but I wrote. 
So I'll show you a picture of my Bible where you can actually see it. So I was, I was into highlighter pens. Yeah, the red, the yellow, the pink, and they all meant something different, by the way. So that was my Bible. And page after page after page after page, which is coming apart, that's what it looks like. And a guy said to me, you can take that off now. A guy said to me, you got to get a fresh Bible. Because after a while, you start reading, you already have your notes there, and you're not looking for anything new because you already had learned stuff. So I did. I got got another Bible. I won't show you. I won't show you all my Bibles. But the point was that you study the Bible and you compare notes throughout the Bible because not everything is in the one place. Not everything is in the passage you're reading. In, <clears throat> in the Gospels, they tell the same story. <clears throat> but rarely are they exact. They all have their own little influence. And so as you learn what the Bible is teaching as opposed to saying, the Bible says, so it's a, what does the Bible teach about those things? So started learning how to cross-reference. Then I found out that <clears throat> If you really want to study as opposed to read the Bible, there's a lot of people that read the Bible, but they don't really study it. Now, they say they study it because they read it, but that's, that's not really true uh, studying. So <clears throat> one of the first things I got was a book called Nave's Topical Bible. Bing. A comprehensive digest of over 20,000 topics. It's going to take you a while. And subtopics. So if it, if it was on clean, being clean, they have all the scriptures regarding cleanliness. You know, if it's about uh, relationships, if, uh, husband-wife has all those things about depression, all the scriptures regarding those things. So that you can do it by topic and you can begin to understand. That's the first basis when you start to realize is that God has principles that go throughout the scriptures. And the principles never change. They're, they continue on. Then uh, also, one of the early commentaries I got, which was very very well-known, very simple, very easy to read, is Matthew Henry's commentary. Oops, yeah, yeah, that's Matthew Henry. Uh, There's only a section of it. There's several volumes all the way through uh, Old Testament through New Testament. But you start uh, collecting commentaries. Now, I got good news for you. When I was back in the we had to buy the book. Today you can go online, and most of these are things are free. You just download them, and it's very easy to do. Word searches, all kinds of stuff. Uh, you don't actually have to carry the books and have a library and all that stuff. But that's, that's the next thing, is having a, 
a, a good commentary. Then you move from the, the easy commentary, which you probably won't necessarily do, but those of us who get into the deeper study of Scripture, we move into a more critical or deeper understanding of it, and it's called the word biblical commentary. And these come in, like this is Genesis, this is an entire book, Genesis 1 through 15. An entire book. This is uh, what we're going through right now in the Genesis study. We've done, I think, five weeks, and I think we just, we just moved out of verse 1 and started going through a little bit deeper because there's much, much, much there because you're not just in Genesis. You're, you're picking up information throughout the entire Bible. That becomes uh, an important part. Another thing to understand when you study the Bible is know the setting to understand the traditions and the things that are being talked about. For instance, the scripture says, if you do good to somebody who has done evil to you, you heap coals, hot coals upon their head. So when I was a kid, you know how I interpreted that? Give it to them, Lord. Burn, their, burn that skull. And if they're bald, even better. Yeah, burn them, burn them. Then I got a book that explains the traditions. And back in the old days, they didn't have turned a knob and you had fire. They, they had to build fires. And if for some reason your fire went out, you asked your neighbor for some hot coals to start your fire. And you would go over with these carrying things that they carried on their head. And your neighbor, if they were nice to you, they would give you some hot coals on your head. You'd take them back to your house and you'd build a fire. So instead of a curse, it says you're doing a blessing to them. You're blessing them. No! <laughs> they were mean to me. I don't want them blessed. But that's God's economy. Bless those who persecute you. What? I'll bless them. Why don't I tell you how I'll bless them? <laughs> Give me that Elijah power. I'll just... <laughs> right from heaven, just crispy critters. <laughs> and, that's, and that's why God doesn't give us that power, by the way. <laughs> he certainly wouldn't trust it with me because there'd be a lot of drivers on the side of the road going... <laughs> So I learned that there's a book called, uh, by Edersheim, it's called The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah. He also has one for the Old Testament. But it's The Life and Times of Jesus Messiah. And it gives you the cultural background of what you're reading. So when you read it, you know what's going on. Because we tend to read the Bible as if it was written yesterday in our culture. 
So people will say, it doesn't say you can't smoke pot in here. <laughs> you know, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say you can't speed in a car either. You know, there's a lot of things it doesn't say. What does it say? You're not supposed to bring your thoughts to the scripture. You're supposed to let the scripture speak to you. As interpreted by the Holy Spirit, we'll get to that in a minute. So the life and times of Jesus the Messiah, both the Old Testament one and the New Testament one, give you the setting, let you know what the culture was at that time. And then one other help is called Vine's Dictionary. Vine's complete expository dictionary of the Old and New Testaments words. Uh, it, if you, there's a word and you're going, especially when you're reading the King James, and circumspectly. What, what is circumspectly? I don't, I don't know what that means. So you look it up and it tells you what it means. Don't defraud. Uh, it's actually a sexual term when you read it, find out the thing. I'll get a few, uh, a few people just woke up, they heard the word sexual. <laughs> so at, at one time I had about 2,500 books. And people would come into my library and they'd go, have you read every one of them? And I said, no. <laughs> I've read parts of them because they're research books. If I sat down and tried to read them all, I'd still be reading today. You know, that's the way, because, you know, I'm glad they wrote it slowly, because I can't read fast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so I'll give you a picture of one of my bookshelves. These are leather-bound, which means they're very old. This is Matthew Henry's commentary. Up there are the word... See how large that baby is? So one after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. And that's just one of my shelves. I've kept four shelves that are filled with commentaries. Uh, you don't have to do that. But I want you to understand that when you're rightly dividing the word of truth, don't be so quick to correct the guy who's done study. The one who's actually taken the time to learn the form, the setting, the scriptural references regarding a particular doctrine. But my uncle John said, well, good for him. I didn't know that he wrote the Bible. You, you don't be quick unless you studied. Now, the other thing is, don't take everything that's said automatically as true. I was at uh, Expo 72, 1972, for those who want to know. It was a huge gathering of youth in Dallas, Texas. And uh, we were in the, where the Cowboys played, the stadium. And uh, Billy Graham spoke for one of the sessions. And he, and he said this, 
Cleanliness is next to godliness. The Bible says cleanliness is next to godliness. So I went back to my concordance. Doesn't say that. The principle of cleanliness and purity are in the Bible. But the idea, and what he was referring to was normally they took out between four and five truckloads of trash after each event there. And they weren't getting but a few cans of trash because they didn't have to clean up because the Christians took their trash with them. That's what he was referring to. But Billy Graham quoted something in the Bible that's not in the Bible. God helps them who helps themselves. Now, Billy Graham didn't say that. But these are some sayings that people have said. God helps them who help themselves. That's not a biblical truth. So just because somebody's speaking, and they may even be scholarly, don't have to believe everything they say. You need to check it out. And there was a group of Bereans that when Paul came, they checked out what he said to make sure it was true. And he commended them for it. He said, good job. You should check when you hear something. Discern whether it's true or untrue. Now, what are some of the things that, how do you discern whether something's true or untrue? Well, first of all, if your relationship with God is correct and in good standing, you have what God gave to you, and that is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit, you, have, you depend on the Holy Spirit for discernment. Many times I heard somebody speak and, and the Spirit just said, mm-mm. So what I had to do was get into the Scripture and trace it down. There was a very popular, extremely popular, evangelistic style that came right out of the Northwest here called Friendship Evangelism. Friendship evangelism. And the idea was you made friends so that you had the inroads to be able to witness to them because you need to make friends with them first or they're not going to hear you. Now, this all makes total sense if you're looking from a human standpoint. Make friends with somebody before you try to lead them to the Lord. You know, because... Holy Spirit's not going to do it, so you need to do it. I knew immediately that was wrong. Because it ain't you. You're only a proclaimer. You're only one who says, go into the world and preach. You're not the one who converts. You're not the one who, who convinces of sin. You're not the one who does any of that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So as national leader, books everywhere, Top guy, I'm in college. But in college, that's when you know everything, right, David? Yeah, at that particular time, I knew everything. It wasn't until later on that I found out that I knew nothing. But, and I went up to him and I said, there's no scriptural basis for what you're talking about. In fact, the scripture speaks the exact opposite. Friendship with the world is enmity towards God. What has light to do with darkness? And I gave him a lot of scripture. He says, aha, uh-huh, but the scripture says, 
Jesus was a friend of sinners. You know what says that? Do you know what context it says it in? What the setting is? It's the Pharisees accusing Jesus of being a wine-bibber, a glutton, and a friend of sinners. It was accusation. Was Jesus a wine-bibber? Was he a glutton? Was he a friend of sinners? Friendship means you have a relationship with. And Jesus didn't have relationships. Here's what Jesus says. You are my friends. You can finish the one. You're my friends if, yeah, if you do whatever you do. If you follow me. Jesus said, my friends are the ones who do the will of the Father. My friends are do whatever I command. Those are my friends. Now, is he give love to people? Is, is he friendly in that sense? You would, you would say he was very friendly. He's very kind. Although it wasn't always friendly when he went into the temple and they were selling and he tipped over the tables. I'm a friend of yours. <laughs> no. You need to know the setting. You need to know the context of what's going on. Otherwise, you'll take scriptures out of context. The, the most famous one, it's old, and that's why I'm going to tell it to you, because some of you probably have never heard it before, but all you old folks have. They took scriptures and they said, Judas went out and hung himself. Go thou and do likewise, and whatever you must do, do quickly. Those are all three scriptures. They're not together. But there are three scriptures. So Jesus went out and hung himself. Go thou and do likewise. And whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. That's what you say to somebody you're kind of upset about. You know what? You'd, why don't you just go hang yourself like Judas did? And make, make it quick, would you? That's what the Bible says. Well, yes, it uses those words. But that's not the context. So understanding the Bible is a lot more in, involved than just reading a passage. How are we doing? We got five more minutes. So tell when when the pastor's for enough time you start talking about the pastor. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, David's pretty good at it. So Studying the word, rightly dividing it, starts with the very first step. The very first step is get in touch with God, which we call prayer. And not you talking to God, but you listening to God. That's why he gave you two ears and only one mouth. You listen to what God has to say. You, you settle in and you say, Lord, lead me, guide me, direct me, teach me. It's called revelation for a reason. It's revealing. That's exactly what it means. 
Revelation is revealing the truth. The book of Revelation is about God revealing the last days and what's going to happen. It's revealing. And revelation only comes from one place. True revelation only comes from one place, and that's the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you're in trouble. You'll misread, you'll misunderstand, you just won't get there. First, you cleanse your heart. There's some great scriptures. Uh, Search my heart, O God, see if there be any wicked way in me. And cleanse me, give me a pure heart. Prepare my mind. Teach me now as I go to study the scriptures. The Jewish had people had a uh, actual ritual they went through before they even opened the Word of God, and that is they'd wash their hands because the Bible was holy. See, it used to say, mine still says it, Holy Bible. Because it's the Holy Word of God. Holy gave something about reverence, honor. And so when they would go to read the scripture, it would be very important to them that they had a cleansed heart and mind and even hands. So prepare your heart. You don't have to wash your hands if you don't want to, but you do want to cleanse your heart. You do want to be ready to hear from the Holy Spirit. And then when you approach a passage of Scripture, read through it, the passage you want to read through, read through it, and then stop, and then go back. Then you go back through it, and you start writing little notes to yourself. What's happening here? Something's happening here. Yes, that's right. That's right. You remember the song. Old guy over here. <laughs> if what's happening, what's the setting? Who is it written from? Who is it written to? What is uh, the subject that's going on here? Like, there's a whole book in the Bible about how it's important that men make coffee. I give you a hint, what is it? Hebrews, yes. <laughs> David's, David's going, time's up, time's up. That's it, gonna have to ask you to leave the platform. The book of Hebrews, guess who it was written to? The Hebrews! If you think it was written to everybody, it wasn't written to everybody, it was written to the Hebrews. If you know that, then you can get information that we can use. All scripture is given by God and is profitable. It's all profitable. But it wasn't written to us. It was written to the Hebrews. And when you read that, you see, when he talks about it, you see he's talking about the Jews and understanding the Old Covenant and the New Covenant and what's happening there and all that kind of thing. Anyway, that's just an example. 
So you want to make sure you understand what's happening, who's it written to, who's it written from, and what is the purpose of its writing. You want to do those things. And then you want to, if you need to do some more study, if you need to find more references to it, make sure you cross-reference. Make sure you look up the words that you don't know in one of these helps so you can do online now. Just make sure you use one that's the right one. Don't get uh, one that's done by Jehovah's Witnesses. You want, you want a good dictionary. And find out what the words are and then start constructing what is happening. Third, when you think you've come to a conclusion, always check. Always check your findings with a solidly biblical person that understands scripture. Just say, this is what I've seemed to found. Is, is, that, is that right? Sometimes they tweak it a little bit and say, yeah, pretty much right, but here, and they'll do this. Sometimes they'll say, go back and try again. <laughs> I, that happened to me so much. I'm going to finish up. I really am. It's only the 28th. Look, when Peter's talking, the guy falls asleep, falls out the window, and he goes, brings him back and talks again all night. So not going to do that. The thing is, like, the, the guy would say to me, this mentor I was telling you about, he'd say, hey, Dave, can you lose your salvation? And I said, I think so. It says, then why is the Bible said you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption? Oh, I guess you can't. But why does it say that once you've tasted the heaven, you give me partakes of the Holy Spirit? If you're fall away, it's impossible to renew you back to repentance. Oh, I guess you can. Then why does it say it's a gift of God? Not of works. You can't earn it. Oh, I guess you can. Can't. Can, can't, can't, can't. What did it cause me to do? Study. When I found out there were over 74 verses that were staunchly teaching, you don't lose your salvation. And only very few that gave you the idea that you could. Like, hold on to the end if you want to be saved. It's one of those verses. Then I knew what it was. But that's after study. That's after. He would challenge those things. Like Noah, that, you know, all the different things. So as we approach Romans chapter 9, I want you to try the best you can to clear your grid of understanding. I, I just want you to wipe clean everything that you think you already know. And as we approach it, let's let the word speak to us as God reveals through his Holy Spirit what he is teaching in Romans chapter 9. Otherwise, you're going to be disappointed, angry, upset, all different types of emotions. But if you let God be God and you understand his sovereignty and you understand who's really in charge of all things 
And there isn't a thing that doesn't happen that God's not in charge of. When you start to understand who he is and who we are, you can approach Romans chapter 9. Otherwise, it's going to be fighting words. And God doesn't cause us to fight, doesn't want us to fight. So we're preparing you that through study, through understanding, through multiple scriptures, through all the different things that there is, the Romans 9 will be revealed to you. David's going to do something even more than I do, and that is he's going to present to you what people believe about it on both sides. I've, I've come, as I've gotten older, to not trying to confuse people. <laughs> and if somebody already has a bent that they want to believe something a certain way, and you say, here's what some people believe, they go, yeah, there's good, solid people that believe what I believe. So I'm okay. Uh, that could be dangerous. But I think, it, I think he's right in what he's doing. I told him that. It's who he is. He's an attorney. That's what they, I mean, they present cases. And he'll present both cases, and he'll lean on the side of one of them, which he'll figure out pretty quickly. 